Hey, Will. Hey, Dean. Welcome to another episode of Bookstabber. How are you? You know, I'm doing as best as I can. Uh, you might be able to detect my gravelly voice that I have just recovered from another round of COVID. Oh, <laughs> I, that, that slipped my mind, actually. We were talking before we started recording. Oh, yeah. Are you totally over it? Or do you feel like you uh, are you going long this time? Well, I don't want to uh, divulge all of the nasty facts to our listeners, but yeah, there's some there's some phlegm issues going on. Oh so, no! Oh no! Uh, you can hear it if you if, by listening <laughs> to this recording. You can create the 3D projection of my throat, and you can imagine all the fluids going on in there. This is this is bookstabber with with bonus gurgling basically today. <laughs> So let's see. How, how do we start? We, we, we're, today we're going to talk about the book Nine Princes in Amber by Roger Zelazny, published in 1970, and we are going to entirely spoil the book. We're going to spoil it so hard you can't escape the spoilers. And talking about it. And and it's kind of already been spoiled. There's a comic adaptation. There's a video game adaptation. Um, there's 10 books in the series, so apparently it was quite popular. Uh, it certainly haunted my life, and I've, I've, I'd never actually finished it before. Um, but I saw it on the shelves all the time in the library. Uh, in the bookstores. I still see it in the bookstores, the used bookstores, when I'm looking for uh, sword and sorcery paperbacks. So I am so glad to have finally read it. Do you want to do the pitch for this book? Sure. I'm almost uh, afraid to ask. <laughs> I, I think I could do it. All right. Okay. So we have a protagonist who wakes up in a hospital. Uh, everyone is sort of alarmed that he has recovered as much as he has, but they don't want to let him leave he sort of conmans his way out of the hospital and he's immediately just paranoid of everything he manages to track down uh who put him in the hospital who uh who arranged his stay there uh supposedly his sister he goes to her her address which he discovers is like a huge mansion and she seems sort of surprised to see him but they they keep talking forth in this very coquettish way. There's the, clearly he, our protagonist. He's a, he has an amnesiac. He doesn't know what is what is going on, but he keeps bluffing. This whole book is based around him bluffing his way through. God, there's a lot of bluffing in this book because he doesn't know what's going on, but he know but he suspects through some paranoia that if he doesn't if he admits that he's an amnesiac that that people are going to take advantage of him, which is is correct, um, and so. Through a lot of rigmarole, he eventually determines that there's a place called Amber that he and his his siblings are from. He knows that he's a bunch of siblings. He finds a deck of cards with all their faces. He gets a call while staying at his sister's from another <laughs> one of his siblings named Random. What? I'm just I'm just laughing because like like yeah, there's there's no real way to to pitch this book, is there? It's like I I don't know what the quick pitch is for this book. I'm just like I mean I think I think that. It, if you were a shrewd reader, if you've read more than a few books in your time and seen a couple movies, you figure out pretty quickly before our protagonist does that there is another secret magical world a la Narnia, a la most fantasy things. Uh, and, and that is where our protagonist is actually from. Uh, and so it's all about getting back there and trying to uh, retake the throne Right. I mean, like, like that's the that's the simple pitch. I, I think what's weird is like, okay, maybe this is the first book to do that, right? I mean, or one of the first, like, like, like uh, maybe. It, it's hard. To, it's hard to place it in that because, like, at at this time, like Moorcock was writing all of these kind of multiverse hero with a thousand faces, like, right? I mean, it doesn't novels. predate Narnia. Narnia was written well before this. Okay. Yeah, I, I give you that. I give you that. But it's certainly it's certainly uh, contemporary, right? In its in the way it's written and its characterization, it doesn't it doesn't read like a sure. timeless children's book. So it, well, I, one of the things I actually really like about it is the is the narrator's voice has this kind of hard boiled quality to it, despite being this medieval like magic prince guy. Well, he's been in our world for a long time, right? So it, it makes it makes some sense. He's always bumming cigarettes off people and smoking up a storm, right? I, it, but but it doesn't quite it doesn't quite go like full Philip Marlowe, right? Um, which is no, kind, of a, it kind of a problem. It wants to sometimes, which is which is a weird frustration I had. I'm like, oh, this really wants to have a better narrative voice, but it it kind of doesn't. Um, I, I mean, I think the narrator voice is is actually fine throughout this. Um, I, well, I think I think the weirdest thing about a book like this is, so you've read the ba the jacket copy. Somebody's told you about it. You you know it's about a guy who's going to figure out he's from somewhere else, right? Like, or a guy yeah. from somewhere else, and so. Like that's the book you're wanting to read, and then the whole first half of it is about like him discovering and 
well, not even, I mean, I would say the first quarter of it is about him discovering who he is and where he needs to go. Like, like, and it's only kind of vague hints, right? Which is fine because you want to have the reveal when they get to Amber, like what it is. But it, it's, it's so strange because it's all this stuff that really barely informs anything, right? Like that first quarter is so awkward because he just goes to see his sister. Like he's an amnesiac. He's kind of being held against his will. He, he heals really fast I, from the car accident he was in. Uh, I think looking at the the audiobook version that I was listening to, I think it's literally the halfway point where before he admits to everyone that he has amnesia and he doesn't actually know what's going on. Right. He's he's like, back. He's back in. Um, he's back in Amber at that point with his brother Random. Right. Yes. But 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 is but but and like like that's okay. I don't mind the what I would call the second quarter of the book, which is them traveling to Amber. Mm hmm. I don't I don't mind that because it's a little bit more magical. But that first quarter where he's just I mean, he's an amnesiac who conveniently remembers little details that he has to remember to kind of keep his story on track. Oh, you know, like, like hmm, maybe this isn't all good. Like he he does a he does a very it does open very uh, hard boiled when he when he wakes up in the hospital. He wants to get out. They won't let him go. He beats up an orderly like like goes to the doctor's office, extorts money. And at one point at uh, his sister Flora's mansion, like there there are goons that come after him. Not just goons; they're not. They're uh, well, they're after Random, right? Uh, sure. Because because Random calls and says like they're after me, and then shows up. Well, he finds out his real name at her house, but then Random calls after this really long conversation with with Flora, where well, e- Evelyn, but her her name is what Floramel. Her real name is Floramel, yeah. and he's Corey, and then he finds out his name is Corwin, and uh. He has this talk with her where he doesn't reveal anything. And she talks about Eric and the shadows and a couple of their other brothers. And then he finds the playing cards, right? Which figure in much, very much later. They're kind of magical. They look right. very, they look very, uh... They're like tarot cards. Yeah, they're the Trumps and the tarot cards. But they're his, they're his brothers and sisters and his father and whatever else. And um, they kind of freak him out. They look very lifelike. And, and that gives us, him a chance to describe his brothers to us and himself. He sees himself in the cards in kind of a, what, like a more medieval fantasy garb, I, I would say, like gold and gold, or no, sorry, black and silver. And then and then Random calls and says they're, they're after him, basically, and uh, the people out of the shadows. And he, he, when Random arrives, basically, like Evelyn slash Floramel is, is already kind of like, she's trying to figure out what he's doing there, like, like. If, if he's trying to mess with Eric or, or what, and she's on Eric's side, and then Random arrives, and he can't figure out what he's doing there either, and he just kind of plays it cool. And then all of a sudden, these six guys with guns break into the house and uh, try to kill them, and like uh, his sister's dogs kind of take out a couple, and he and Random take out the other couple in a way that he finds out he's super strong too, right? But, but they're not even human. Like, that's the weird thing. These things aren't human. It becomes clear when they, when they examine them, and there's, like, no freakout, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, I was like, what is going on here? Like, it's, well, such it's a... funny because there's sort of a fundamental problem with the, the amnesiac model here where, uh, you know, I, I actually recently was reading up on amnesia um, because I was just curious, you know, we, we all know amnesia from like Gilligan's Island and right, right. Oh, it's, it's weird. It's weird. The things you forget and the things you know. And so it turns out that um, amnesia is, it's represented in every movie, every book you've ever read. It's just, it's just flat out incorrect. It's not that you, it's that you forget everything except your name or you, you don't remember your name and you don't remember who your parents are, but you somehow have perfect mastery of the English language. It's just that you, you, you basically, you do have your memories, but you just are more forgetful. There, there are, it's almost like Alzheimer's. Like it's actually very depressing. Hmm. And that's they're, how they just become, people. yeah, there's just gaps in your memory and, and it's sort of, it it's fluid it's not like just a constant like i don't know who anyone is anymore well maybe that's maybe that's maybe this is more realistic than i think then because like at least he recalls things but it's so convenient what he recalls in the moments he needs to recall them that it's, <laughs> right. it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous and he i clearly, mean it, it he doesn't clearly... really matter it doesn't really matter if this is accurate or not because corwin is a magic superman who, right. as we right. learn at the end of the book, has uh, the ability to regrow his entire nervous system, <laughs> including <laughs> including fresh eyeballs. Well, that's a that's a spoiler and a half way ahead. Well, it's well, not just we're that. spoiling he's, the book. Yeah, he's, he's basically Highlander, right? I mean, he's he's lived for a long time. He didn't just. He thinks he right. lost his memory in a car accident that he can remember somehow, though. 
and, and well, then, right. Well, not only not only is he immortal in that he he lives forever, but I guess everyone in Amber just lives forever. Well, clearly until... not forever because his dad's dying. His dad's old and dying, right? But sure, or dead. Um, unclear. Well, that's well, that's saying I don't really know what the situation with the dad is. Um, I like he we we have one brief conversation. So this is a, this is I think the classic book stabber division. Um, I, I could have used a little more explanation of some things uh, by the time that he gets his memories back. Like, it's cool that he knows his dad is Oberon, and mm-hmm. I know I know Oberon through, you know, Shakespeare, and, and that's a cool name, but I don't really know if that means that Amber, the, the one real city in the universe, is, is like, is it fairy? Is it fae? Does... Like, I don't know what associations I should be having and shouldn't be having with that information because they don't really tell us. Well, but I think they say that, like, every every other city you've ever heard of or ever known is, like, a, a reflection of Amber in some way. So Faye is a sure. reflection of Amber in some way. And Seattle is a reflection of Amber in some way. And New York <laughs> is a reflection of Amber in some way, right? And it, it, it's a little right. ridiculous but kind of fun. Like, I like that, right? And there's this saying that oh, keeps sure. coming up, all roads lead to Amber. I mean, I like that. I'm not hating on this. It, it's a very... There, oh, it, there's a lot of poetic stuff that i really like i, I want to talk of that uh when they're trying to figure out how to get corwin's memories back i love this is the kind of fantasy shenanigans that i actually really love they're like okay we can't just waltz into amber but there is a, a magical reflection of amber that is underwater it's important to say there's a thing in amber called the pattern right yes which you have to be oberon's a descendant of oberon to walk and that gives you power over the shadows which we should talk about what those are too and so, it, where is where is the uh, where is the reflection of the pattern? Uh, well, you can find it in Rebna. Re, re, is it Re? Yes, Reb. It's Rebna because <laughs> it's, it's it's Amber yeah, spelled backwards. Amber right? back. Rebma. Right. I was I'm having a hard time organizing the B and the M in my mind, but it, yeah, Rebna. Rebma. It is hard to say. Right. Which is just the which is just Amber's reflection in the ocean, basically. It's it's and Aquaman's it's, home, right? Right, but it's its whole. It has its whole own monarchy and and system. But it is because it is a reflection. You know, at one point uh, they're like, "You should. We don't want you to cause war in Amber because war in Amber will cause war here." That's a cool that's idea. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, th- this is exactly the kind of fantasy nonsense that I am actually really into. And so the fact that they have to go to, like, reverse Amber to find the thing that would be reflected, which is the magical thing that they need. Uh, which is the pattern that's going to restore Corwin? Like that's totally my, totally my shit. Well, can I can I just um, say though, like okay, so it's there's a reflection of the pattern in in uh, Reb, Rebba, but mm-hmm. isn't it the in, the reverse then <laughs> of the pattern that he walks in Amber? You know what I mean? I think the well, I think the the dream logic of it is is that the pattern reflected. It's it's. I think there's two interpretations. It's like a palindrome where it's the same forwards and back, right? Nice. I like that. That's an excuse you're making up, but I like it. I, I do like it. Well, uh, the other thing, and I think actually one of the characters says something like this, is that it's like it is backwards. But that means you just walk it backwards. You just you just go the opposite direction that you would go normally, and then it's fine. Oh, okay. It's like playing a it's like playing a record backwards if they recorded it backwards, right? Right, right, right. Oh well, and and, and like uh, so the pattern, like like when he walks the pattern, I, w- I want to go back to how he gets to Amber in a minute, which I thought was the coolest part of the book. Um, sure. But but. Um, like uh, and 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 it's good because it takes a quarter of the book, <laughs> or a third of the book, or something ridiculous. So walking the pattern when he's actually walking the pattern, like Random is there and his sister uh, Deirdre is there. Who they just like as they enter Amber, they come upon another one of their siblings because there's a lot of siblings and so, some of them are dead. Right. As the book so points many out. siblings. So so they come across just happen to come across in the woods, which are are the big straight. Well, he's come across two siblings actually, Julian who. Uh, we can talk about in a minute, tries to take them out because he's on a hunt with his uh, his hounds and the horse that he made, unexplained more than that, the, thank goodness. The Morgenstern. <laughs> um, it, but uh, they find Deirdre, who's being taken back to Amber because she escaped Eric's clutches, and she kind of, it, she's the tool for telling us what's going on in Amber and how terrible Eric is, which is fine. Um, but it, it's such a coincidence that they find her, and then she accompanies them to, to go walk the pattern, and they don't. They don't decide to go walk the pattern until after they rescue her, and then Corwin comes clean to Random and says, "Hey, I don't actually know what's going on. I've just been fooling you the whole time here." 
Remember how remember how vague I've been? <laughs> That's just been me trying to uh, figure out what's up. I don't actually know what's up. You seem okay. Uh, can you help me? <laughs> and then Random's like, well, we have to go to this underground city. And they go, even though Random's not welcome, and they're harried right to the right to the very gate as they go downstairs and learn they can breathe underwater, which is kind of a crappy scene, but it's fine. Um, I did like the blood in the in the water swirling around them as as uh, as uh, Corwin and Random have a sword fight with the horse horsemen and who come to who were after Deirdre and after them and are uh, coming to get them and there's foot soldiers and they they run through. And then here's this queen, Llewellyn, uh, what's her name? Lady... What is is her... it Moore or something? I don't know. La- yeah, Lady Moire. Moire. Moire? What's, the, what's it? Moire? M-O-I-R-E? Uh, who uh, has green hair and, and bare breasts and is, is apparently God. hot as hell. Because <laughs> I mean, that's what you do the, underwater. The green, hairline, the green hairline is the thing that made me laugh so much is... The... Well, not not that. It was, it's when you fight out her pubic hair is green later when she's when she's because she can't keep her hands off Corwin. Uh, well, right. He, he doesn't he doesn't specifically say the word pubic hair, but I that is the implication, and it's God. I just well, I, what I what I liked about that is we find out that like Random was a bastard, stole what her daughter away. Her daughter came back pregnant and then had the son and then killed him killed themselves. And what she really wants is the lady the, in. Uh, uh, Rebma wants uh, someone who has the power to walk the pattern and then take power over shadows. And she had somebody like that in a grandson who was bored, born from her right. daughter who died. And, but then he disappeared into the shadows. So he's out there somewhere. But uh, what, what I thought was, oh, this is really interesting. She wants Corwin to get her to knock her up so she can um, have another heir with that power. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty bold, right? I mean, it's not really stated. That's my interpretation. But I was like, this is interesting. That's a, um, I think that's a fair interpretation of events, sure. Because, like, he's not that hot. He's a mess, right? He's been traveling hard, and she's like, well, th- I got one shot at this. Better take it. I don't I don't know. I don't know that we ever get a, a... I mean, what we do know about Corwin is that he's sort of... He's, like, the greatest balladeer troubadour to have ever lived. He, he's, he's an expert fighter and, you know, has written all of these ballads and, and was also best friends with Van Gogh and... Well, we don't All find that we don't people. find that out until he's walking the pattern later, right? Because when he walks the pattern, then his past. I know, I know, him, but, but th- it's th- like, th- oh. this podcast this podcast exists outside of linear time. That's... Oh no, it's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's fine. No, no, I, I just want to point out that like, like what I what I don't like is that everything comes rushing back to him when he walks the pattern, which is which is okay. But it's. it's... I mean, at this point, at this point in the in the story, he has started recounting some epic poem, and Random says, "I, you know, rumor is it that you wrote that?" And he's like, "I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I did. Like, <laughs> it's entirely possible." I don't... Yeah, I mean, he's he's had a place in human history, apparently, in our world, our shadow world. Um. But but like so 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 the pattern when he's walking the pattern, it's supposed to be difficult, and there is no sense in which it is difficult to me. Right. There's moments that are supposed to be greatly difficult moments that are supposed to have something at stake. And, and well, the I think, implication, I, I think they said that if you're not really Corwin, if you're not really a Prince of Amber, like walking the pattern will kill you. I think that was the idea. But because he is Corwin, it's fine. Right. But there's some difficulty walking it too, like sparks come up and it resists him a little bit. But there's no there's no actual tension there. Right. Now, hold on. I seem to recall when we were reading that stupid um, Viking god book that neither of us liked that you got you got mad at the part. It was like, and here's the part of the journey that's difficult for no reason. It's just it's just difficult where we go into a big cave and we all die like. Oh, right, right, right. No, I'm, I'm mad at that, too. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but, <laughs> well, but he, which is it? Well, no, well, it's it, it can be both because it's like it's situational like in here. There's just, I mean, there's high stakes, but there's no sense in which, there's no sense in which anything unpredictable can happen here. Do you know what I mean? Like, we know he's, he's Corwin. Sure. Like, we know there's no book unless he succeeds. I mean, he succeeds. I mean, it'd be interesting to have, it, it, like, an interesting failure to take, if, if an interesting failure took place here in the book, it would be better than just absolute success. And then, so what the book gives us instead is absolute success and then something unexpected afterwards. And it gives us, right. like, it gives us, but it gives us pieces of his of his past that don't matter. Like it tells us that he was, he has memories of Auschwitz. Like uh, it tells mm-hmm. us that he's, he actually lost his memory to the plague, uh, which he had during the reign of Elizabeth the first. 
Um, like some other details, like you said, like uh, his best friends, whatever, like historic people he hung out with, right? Um, he's he's kind of had a, a hand in human history and has witnessed some different historical events firsthand, a la Highlander. Um, and and you know that that's all fine, but it doesn't it doesn't make any difference. Like essentially, nothing is gained. What, what's ridiculous to me is nothing is gained really that we can appreciate from these moments, and there's nothing at stake. Like either of those things would have been okay, and and the description of it isn't all that to me. It was fine. The description was fine. Like Zelazny's writing, I, I like Zelazny's writing okay, and I'm not criticizing that. But but there's just there's just nothing there's nothing in this moment for me, and it was it was very strange. Yeah, I mean the the book as a whole kind of has this problem, in that. You know, we're the immediate conflict when you, when you start the book of like okay, Corwin doesn't know who he is, but he has to bluff his way through these problems until he figures it out. And he does so pretty easily. And every time way too a, easily. A phys- and every time a physical confrontation comes up, he because he's super strong, it just is it's it's trivial. Um, right, and right. so Right. And you're supposed to think yeah. because he doesn't know he's super strong, it's there's something at stake, but there isn't, right? So it's like I mean this to me this book falls well under uh sort of wish fulfillment fantasy. Yes, which, absolutely, you know, like, absolutely. We've all we've all read a Superman comic, and you know Superman doesn't really have a, he. It's not that he doesn't have any conflicts, but he usually solves the conflict with some ease. And and, and the the worst thing that ever happens is that he has to sort of outwit Mister Mitzelplick or whatever. Right. Like he, he's got a conundrum, but he he overcomes it, and because he's Superman, and and that's the way I look at this is that we're we're meant to understand Corwin in in you know he's not unlike superman in that that yes conflicts arise but he bashes them away and we're supposed to we're supposed to enjoy that as a like this is a this is a comforting story yeah. right well, it, it's it's got the it's got the content of an adult book but it's got the tone of a kid superman comic do you know what i mean like like there's there's somehow to me there i mean like the the superman stuff made for kids is kind of like, well, I'm going to do the right thing, right? And it, it's all going to be okay. And this has this has some of that to me with like a little bit more adult language and some trappings. But sure. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have the tone but there's there's no tone of risk in those kids superman things. There's a little bit, right? But it's all put on. It's it's only a real risk if you're Well, I but I, I feel know. like that's not that unusual. You know, I I feel similarly about um like when we were reading Conan the Barbarian that sure. At no point do I ever think Conan the Barbarian is going to get stabbed to death. Like he's Conan, of course, you know, he's, of course, he's of the hero. Like he he is like, and he's also going to bed some wenches, and you know, an evil priest is going to give a speech, and then Conan's going to beat him up, and like that. That's just kind of the arc yeah. that it has. Yeah, and and, 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 maybe and I this, think this is pretty similar. Well, maybe maybe this suffers in being like it's a um, it's a series character that I'm not invested in, like Conan. Like, I expect Conan to survive, right? Like, I, I keep reading mm-hmm. the Conan stories and books because I like that character, and I don't have that investment here. And honestly, this guy isn't extremely likable. I'm not I'm not rooting for him. Like, like Zelazny has people come in and tell me I should root for him a couple times. Um, like, uh, like after after he walks the pattern, he, tra- he transports himself into the real castle of Amber, into the pattern room. And then he meets this guy named Dick, who's like a janitor, who remembers him, right? And, and Dick, like, takes his hand. Dick takes his hand and cries. I don't know. No, well, it, but it's just like it's like I don't I don't know why I'm rooting for this guy. Like I I don't know why I would care. He, he's opposing Eric. I, Eric hasn't done anything terrible that I can see, right? Like sure. Like, so, but but this that, is that is the part of the problem is we're told Eric is bad, but we don't really like you know Reb Rebma doesn't like Eric. This is this is what I was saying earlier that I could have used some more explanation. Is that you know we we spend the first half of this book not knowing what the situation in Amber actually is. Yeah, and then. And then our protagonist gets his memories back, but he, but we don't get his memories back. We we know a handful of things more, right? And, but now he's just more confident. Now he's just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm great at everything. Right, 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 right. And then and like, but like, um, the like he transports into the the place, meets this dick guy. The dick guy cries, says, "Oh, Master Corwin, if you could please be our king, that would be good," you know. And somebody says Eric is mad at one point, and Deirdre is part of that whole thing, saying that like, like the one they rescue in the woods, saying that um, you know he's he's gone bad, and so we're supposed to believe that. But, but um, I mean, I mean, like, like I like the sword fight that he has with Eric. 
after he after he teleports in, and then he has to escape. Right. And he escapes using the cards, and now we know the cards are a way to just teleport in and out of Amber, which is like, well, if the cards are a way to teleport in and out of Amber, why don't you just do that? <laughs> you know? Like, I don't <laughs> I don't understand. Well, like, I mean... Well, I'm, because because the cards, they only works... You, you need a willing participant. Uh, the, one of the siblings has to willingly pull you through, and al- also you, you can only teleport to where that person is, so... I would say that's you a... Can't, li- I think that's a little. I mean, like, 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 I buy that based on what's in this book, but I think there's a card that has a picture of Amber on it too, and I'm not sure what that means. Well, but that's. Um, I think so. So one of the plot points is that after uh, Corwin fails at deposing Eric, uh, he's thrown in a dungeon, and he spends a long time in this dungeon, <clears throat> and he gets blinded, and he has to regrow his eyeballs because that's a thing he can do. Well, it takes uh, years, it, though. Right. But so in this dungeon, uh, he he finds uh, the guy who made those all of these cards to begin with. He's a magical artist. Doesn't find um, him. He just transports into there to see who's in the cell. What's it, what's his name? Um, I think we're meant to understand him as this, you know, kind of like Ogier the Dane. He's his name's Dworkin. This, Dworkin. Yeah. So Dworkin, uh, he, Corwin gets Dworkin to make a new card... That is not of, you know, one of the siblings that he, that he can use as a teleportation device. Well, it's not even a card. It's, uh, he scratches a picture of a lighthouse with a spoon in the wall, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it doesn't actually... This guy just has magic hands. It doesn't really matter what he's drawing. Magic on. drawing Cards powers, are more... Co- just like you, Willow Payne. Magical drawings. I wish... Yeah. I, I wish I could make portals and uh, not have to fly. Delta. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by How Much I Hate Delta. <laughs> who, who canceled your trip again? Yeah, has canceled two of my flights out of this stupid... Anyway. Well, so... <laughs> well, so, so, so this is what I hate. This is the very end of the book where he's just in this dungeon languishing. And then suddenly through... I mean, like, I'm like, okay, his, his eyes are growing back. He's going to do something cool to get out of here. And he doesn't. This, this like, Orko character just teleports into his room and goes, Oh, I wasn't sure who was down here. Oh my, I have no way back. Do you have a pencil so I could draw myself a card and get back to my rooms? And well, goes, and he has no light either. The, like that's part of the problem is that Corbin has to start burning his. He, he's lighting matches and then eventually has to burn the straw of his bed to provide enough light so that this uh, magical drawing can take place. It, it, but but it's like it's and then, and then he's just he goes to this lighthouse and meets somebody very sympathetic to him and then he takes off on a sailboat. End of book one, right? <laughs> Right. Well, that so this is my biggest grievance with this book is that it just ends there. That's a bad ending. Well, um, I think I, I wonder how many books he wrote because I think five of the books are about Corwin at least, and then I don't know who the next five are about. There's ten books in this series. Ten. Well, that, and this is a relatively short book, but I it's still like if I had bought this in 1970, I think my reaction would have been the same of like, well, what the heck? You, you got to give me more than that, like. The, the it's it's like the first part of the Count of Monte Cristo and then he just doesn't do any like we don't get that revenge yeah I, I think I just I, uh, yeah oh, I, I think I, well I think the I think the I mean it's interesting that it ends there right I mean is it a marketing ploy is that just as far as he got did they decide to chop up a, a what would have been a hugely long book at that point when books weren't 450 500 pages long right when fantasy paperbacks weren't maybe he had written all five of those first books together and they were like let's sell yeah. five books every six months I don't know Maybe. But, I'm just of the opinion that if you're going to do a series, each installment in that series should be a satisfying episode. Uh, what a modern idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, can, can, I, can I talk about the two parts of this, this book that we kind of skipped over, elided over? Sure. So, so getting, to, getting, to, uh, getting to Amber is the yeah. most, it, it's kind of the most vision we have of how the shadows work. Um, and the shadows seem to be... It like random basically drives uh, their sister's Mercedes off off the road, like well Corwin is driving, but random is is manipulating the shadows and by adding and subtracting things from the world to get it closer and closer to Amber until finally they're there, and it's very subtle at first until there's a little explainy sentence in there, but I but I like that. Like like they, he's like take a right here and they take a right and suddenly there's like windmills everywhere and there's horses mm-hmm. and another right there's like a there's like a dinosaur, right? And they have to stop for gas somewhere that's very strange. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and Flora said she couldn't get to 
Amber, that the way was blocked to her, but Random just says, no, 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 she just has no imagination. You have to have imagination to be able to get to Amber. And all right. roads lead to Amber, we hear that. It's it's cool. It's it's a cool journey, but it takes up way too way too much space. It 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 is probably the longest part of this book, actually. But but you can tell Zelazny um, was having a good time writing it. He was just imagining it. Like, oh what like what is Amber minus this plus that? It's unclear why right. they have to go this roundabout way instead of just directly there, but but um random makes some some notes about how you, if you go directly there, you'll, we're just going to explode or something, there, right? There, there's, an ele- there's actually an element here that uh, books haven't had in a while, I feel like, where we spend a lot of time sitting with the characters when they're just not really doing anything. I, I don't see this as a criticism. Right, uh, right. Where they're literally just having lunch, right? And and we just describe the lunch that they have, and then, you know, they just are enjoying the scenery. Like, there, there are a lot of moments in this trip where it's just like we found some chicken and some beer and we looked at the stars and. Well, it, it's it's like Philip K. Dick. You ever read any of his novels? Uh, yeah, a little bit. So, so Dick's novels have a lot of this stuff, and it, often it's like just normal life, like at home or the office, where people are just chatting to each other, and the world is a little different. And somehow in Dick's in Dick's books, it's super interesting. It's just weird because there's something strange underlying that. And here, I just don't have that sense. You know what I mean? They, they keep they keep talking about the plot, and in Dick's books, it's so interesting because they don't. Do, mm-hmm. do, do you know what I, you know what I mean? Like, in t- in not talking about the plot, they kind of flesh out the world a little more. Like the weirdness of the world comes through. You you want to know what my favorite part of a Philip K. Dick book is? <laughs> there's, I'm afraid to find out. No, there's okay. So there's a book. I think it's called um, Maze of Death. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, uh, there's a char- there's a bunch of characters, but one of the characters is buying a spaceship uh, so that he can take a, a long journey. And he's at basically like this used spaceship lot. And he's looking at him. He's like, okay, I'm probably going to buy this one. And then some guy shows up that he immediately recognizes as the Intercessor. And the intercessor is just like, you do not buy this spaceship. You will explode halfway through your journey. Instead, buy this one. And and he's just like, okay, like, I'm not going to argue with the intercessor. And then, like, later he's talking to the other characters and they're like, you met the intercessor? What? Like, like he's like some kind of Christ-like figure that just goes through the world, like, dispensing advice or something. It's so bizarre. Oh, that's great. But that, that, it, that's it's, like the, it's burned into my memory. Well, there's a Shirley Jackson short story called uh, One Ordinary Day with Peanuts, where there's mm-hmm. there's these people who, like, just seem to be ordinary people, but they go through the world doing things that affect, like, like not not a huge number of people's lives, but, but they do, like, good and bad things kind of in balance to some okay. extent. Uh, it's a really good story. You should totally read that. Like, like I think that's where the that idea sounds of the interesting. Intercessor came. And then Harlan Ellison did a a kind of riff on that, uh, a short story that was in uh, one of the year's best short story collections back in the late 90s or early 2000s called, um, it's called The Man Who Rode Christopher Columbus Ashore. And it's, that's, mm-hmm. that's great too. Like, like both those short stories. I highly recommend you, you read those. That will, that will give you your intercessor fix if you're needing more. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah, let's just do a whole list of uh, things that the, the intercessor well, fix. I, I'm, now, I'm that so... itself is a good novel name. No, I, I mean, I'm so glad I'm so glad you agreed with me, though, to do uh, sword and sorcery books, like older sword and sorcery books for the year now, because it gives yeah. us something to kind of sink our teeth into, right? Well, uh, uh, no, th- no one's happier than me. So this is kind of funny to me because this is sort of full circle. So... The I wouldn't say that this podcast was born out of this thing, but uh, before we started the podcast, I was uh, I, I had already taken it upon myself to try to get back into reading as an adult, um, having not actually read novels in a while. And I had started by going through Gary Gygax's uh, Appendix N, which is a list of all of the novels and short stories that... Uh, helped him there were the inspirations for him in the in the original Dungeons and Dragons setting mm-hmm. um and and so like this might have already been on that list for all I know oh, I bet it's on that uh, list yeah this I, I, mean... I, I I'll have to go double check but I was reading a lot of sword and sorcery and I was enjoying the majority of it um mm-hmm. I I do enjoy not only do I enjoy swords and sorcery but I really enjoy classic stuff like this so like <clears throat> I I don't I don't love this book but I do like it you know I have that same sense. Like, like I, I, it disappointed me in certain ways that I'm not sure are reasonable. And I'm trying to figure out 
if they're if they're reasonable. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe I won't understand that until the end of the year or a couple of years from now, depending on what we read. So, um, but 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 like so after this, after they get to Amber, like they get closer and closer to Amber, and then they run into Julian, who's out for a hunt in the woods. What, what's the forest called? Forest of Arden. Mm-hmm. Uh, near yeah. Amber, and um, that's nice. He's got these dogs that are crazy big that hunt their car, and he's riding this horse <laughs> made of shadow, and it gives us a sense, like seeing random, we're not seeing him manipulate the shadows, but having a sense of what's happening, having Corwin's sense of what's happening as like the uninformed observer. It's nice. I like that. I like that we don't have this big explainer about how magic works. Like, it's it's adding and subtracting things. It's kind of an intuitive level understanding. Julian made a horse, we assume, out of shadow. We don't know how. We don't know exactly how the cards work. It, it, it all works for me to that extent. Did you need more explanation than that? Or do you feel like it'll come later on and you're happy enough? Well, well, the things that I wanted, I, I wanted there to be... So, okay, the premise of the of the conflict in this story is is actually pretty standard. Like, you know, War of the Roses, right? The, sure. The idea that... that you know, there's a royal family, uh, and it's not obvious who the heir ought to be, who who to, who should ascend to the throne, and so the siblings are going to war with each other. They all have their own individual claim. That's that's fine, um, and maybe that's just a, a a timeliness aspect of it. That even though I find that very believable as a as a person reading this book in 2023 now, I just would like there to be a little bit more sophisticated situation i i want to differentiate corwin and eric more than just two different siblings want the throne like i want to know why eric is is a bad leader i want to know right you know why why he is evil and corwin is good i I just want that little bit of justification right oh we 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 definitely need that but what's what i think is nice about this book is that it doesn't it doesn't violate the point of view very much like eric just wants to be king right and like that's enough for eric well, no, I, but, okay. So if if we were to if we were rewriting this book, right? Mm-hmm. It would be extremely easy, I think, being that Corwin is this is the Highlander. He's this immortal troubadour warrior man who's been everywhere and seen all these things. It would be so easy to intersperse just a couple of short flashbacks through this book, well, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, especially like if if this were being written now like when he's walking the pattern we could just inter we could just inject a scene right there that is him reliving a very important memory about why eric is a bad guy right? oh and it's, it sounds like it sounds like he blames eric for uh for for leaving him for him getting the plague and leaving him back there in the shadows somehow we don't know what that story is right there's an implication there right that that's right. that's super weird that's like why didn't you tell me that story like are we going to get that in the next book like it, it feels like it might have been edited out to to provide or, or like it might have been part of a longer piece, like in terms of its revelation. That's why I say maybe this is a 500 page novel. Right. Maybe and and it, first... it's you know, you touched on this earlier that um, like everything that Corwin does makes perfect sense in the story. It's just that I, I as an audience member would like to know why I should care a little bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm entirely with you. I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I have I have no basis for feeling like he's particularly heroic other than the fact that more people seem to want him to be king than Eric. Like everybody's opposing Eric, it feels like, right? Uh, Blaze is opposing Eric. Uh, some of the other brothers, all, the other brothers who are working with Eric seem to be doing so under some kind of duress or just because they fear if he wins and, and they're on the opposing side, what he'll do. Uh, it, it, it's very strange. Um, but even when they're face to face, there's no, I mean, there's a sense of bad blood, but there's no sense of what the hatred is based on. So, but like, like the next, the next part that I, so, so that's the part I liked. I liked them coming to Amber. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of it was okay. The part I don't like is, so after Eric is, or after uh, Corwin escapes after the battle with Eric, like he's in a castle filled with Eric's men and, and uh, he really scares Eric in the sword fight, which I like. Like Eric's very confident at the beginning of it and very unconfident at the end of it, which I, which I thought was a great place to leave it. And then Corwin escapes and uses a card mm-hmm. to go to his brother Blaze, who's the main opposition to. Right, that uh, was a great scene. It was and great. I feel it was a great scene that I feel like is undermined by the rest of the book. I I, <laughs> like, I, 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 I agree, but by itself, it's really good, right? Yes. Well, that's the problem, though, is that it because sure. it, it, it creates this delicious expectation of like now that I've 
seeded doubt into Eric's mind, I will finally, I, I will return and have my revenge. And then he doesn't. But even, even, just... but even talking about it, maybe, maybe we're being unfair. Maybe we should read the, the 10 books. I mean, it's too, it's too much of an investment of time for me at this point. But 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 if we read the if we read the ten, I'm books, sure I'm sure that if we read them, it, they would probably be fine. I, we would probably enjoy them. Yeah, well, it just probably, doesn't. It, 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 <clears throat> is, is there more evil about Eric there? Like I don't know if the last five books are all from Eric's point of view. I don't know. You know, like this yeah. could all this could all be an unreliable narrator, right? Like Corwin, the unreliable right. narrator. I, I I don't know, but it, it shouldn't take me six books to discover that or, or whatever is going to happen, right? Right. So, I mean, so, that's my problem with, that's one of my many problems with like Game of Thrones is that they set up all this stuff and then you just have to wait a, a, for another billion books later for it to matter. <laughs> right. Well, and, and so so after he escapes to Blaze, Blaze is uh, somewhere in shadow. He's in some shadow world, which is just a reflection of the real world. And he's got his army there. And uh, he's like he and um, Corwin kind of uh, make an agreement that they both would rather one of them be king than Eric. And they agree to help each other for the time being. Um, and then they just have all these these soldiers that are just essentially cannon fodder, right? Like like Blaze has an army and then Corwin adds to it. Um, and Corwin like gets some furry guys that are small. They're man- He says reasonably man-like. And in a very strange twist of, of narration, he describes them as about as intelligent as freshmen in high school. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a funny note, but it's a weird note at that point because he's not really referencing our world anymore. So it doesn't like that struck me as very, very strange, like like witty, but very strange. Um, <laughs> well, and that's he, another weird thing is that if you've been if you've been in what is our Earth, which in, in this book is shadow is a shadow Earth of of many. We don't right, know right. how many. No, uh, limitless. It sounds like it sounds like they can create their but, own worlds. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> right, but he's been but he's been on this shadow earth, the world that you and I were born into, or something very uh, like it since yeah. since at least the time of the <clears throat> black plague. And so like I I think that if you were writing that character, not only would he make references to freshmen in high school, but he would also be like, "Uh, you're like a Swede in in Some, Queen right. Elizabeth's court." Like you would make Absolutely. all kinds of just batshit crazy you would you would be talking about genghis khan and you you would just talk about every period of time almost equally right absolutely everything but 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 i've (laughs) I've read i've read books like that too where where somebody who's a fantasy novel fan gets transported into a fantasy novel setting then they're always referencing other fantasy books right (laughs) like that doesn't work but just referencing history is enough in some way but that doesn't happen here at all either i I will admit i will admit somewhat shamefully so when i was reading this i kept thinking about um lev grossman's the magicians which Mm -hmm. i love um and i think you know between the two i prefer the magicians to this um but i i as i was reading this i was like oh okay there's some stole some of the DNA from this a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like this, this book is is very well known. It's been on lists that I, I've seen for for decades, and I've never <laughs> made the time to read it. So I'm so excited I did now. But right. But, but so so in this world, they get hundreds of thousands of creatures being their troops, like very manlike, intelligent, and then they they like blaze attacks from the land and out of the shadows and. Uh, Corwin attacks from the sea and they go towards Amber and they have to fight their, their brothers like uh, Kane and Gerard are, are there and like in different navies, I think. And, and like Eric's opposing blaze, which mostly ha- the land stuff mostly happens off screen until the end. Cause the, the navies kind of fall first. It, it's very strange. And there's, it's very nonsensical because like you don't care about any of these things, right? Any of these creatures, yeah. like, 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 like there's no mm-hmm. sympathy for them at all. Like these, like I, I love the section where the where Eric sets the forest on fire because it seems like a sin almost, but but uh-huh. even that description, there's not a lot at stake at stake because they just keep falling off, and the two princes, Blaze and and um, Corwin, just keep advancing forward until they finally get to the well, stairs at the bottom of Amber with a couple hundred men and start going up, and it it's like the Spartan situation, like two at a time, right? Until they fall, yeah. and then Blaze jumps up and is super heroic, and then. And then uh, does he die? We're not sure. And then Corbin jumps up. Uh, th- blah, blah, blah. So there's a part of this that's really confusing to me, too, because it, it feels like this book is uh, is having having its setting in, in a couple of contradictory ways, because it doesn't make sense to me how. So there are no guns in Amber. 
Oh, gun, gunpowder gun, doesn't gunpowder doesn't work in amber. That that's one of the important right. Gunpowder doesn't work. However, what I don't understand is that you can bring all of these soldiers from a shadow earth, and they aren't also affected. Like 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 they don't like somehow they're constant between the real earth and the shadow earth. But like if you drive a car, eventually like it turns into a carriage or something. Yeah, like, it's not con- it's not really consistent what it what exists on all Earths and what doesn't. I think. Well, it, it I mean we, we we can see what it's doing. We just don't understand what the internal consistency is, right? Like like we don't because like as you're saying like like when they're traveling to Amber in the car with random random and Corwin are driving yeah. the car, the car changes around them sometimes. But I think yeah yeah I, and, I think well, they, and their clothes all change. Like that's oh, that's, right. that's a huge yeah, yeah. detail is that so so the princes. Random and Corwin, their their clothes change at some point during the journey, and and I think we're meant to understand that like, well, now that we're in Amber, we have we have like real people clothes. The clothes that we were wearing on Shadow Earth that was you know consisted of a corduroy jacket or whatever, right? That's not real, but this silken you know uh, petticoat is real or whatever they were wearing. Right, 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 right. Um, but but how does that apply to like an actual person, which they are bringing, and like <laughs> it's very confusing. I, I I just want a little bit of explanation, just a little taste. See, I, I think because it does because like they seem to have like uh, medieval weapons and stuff. I, I I didn't worry about that too much. That didn't bother me. But, yeah. But but what bothers me is the cannon foddery nature. Like he he basically says they're cannon fodder earlier, and then and then there's it's just like a numbers game. It's like it's almost like somebody's playing D anD. d Well, you've only got ten thousand troops left. Now you've got five. Now you've got well, but that's 600. I mean, but there's also a very there's a realism to that as well. That uh, you know they're here to win a war and they're bleeding men, right? No, no, no. It's it's fine, but I don't think there's any there's no sense of uh, of anything at stake because like none of those there's there's sections in here where there's giant battles going on that nothing is uh, really described, right? And I understand why that's the case, but but in not describing those battles, it it like in just getting like this summary, there's no tension at all, and there's there is no tension as they start the invasion, and uh, the, the tension comes at the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. Like which is like it's it's probably fifty not fifty pages, but it's 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 another. Uh, it's another quarter of the book. Another another quarter of the book is like that invasion, like the fight to the invasion. And then the last quarter of the book is a- after after the thing fails, Eric is thrown in the dungeon, right? And in the dungeon, we don't learn really anything except, I don't know, his eyes are put out and then he's trotted out for a few. He's trotted out to, to for the coronation to put the crown on Eric's head and he puts it on his own head at first and then gets beaten up and then he gets thrown in the dungeon and his eyes put out. And then he's cleaned up every year and brought out to eat dinner with everybody, which he does because he hasn't had a good meal in a year, and he's slowly healing. There's no master plan. Just this guy happens to show up in his cell and uh, offers him a chance for freedom, which, which I mean, he takes. He's it's a little guile on his part, but I think not enough. So, it's it, it's it, it's an exceedingly strange structure to the book too, which I, and I like strange structures. You know what I mean? This book is very much its own thing. It's it's not quite a hero's journey. It's it's very odd, but I think it left you unsatisfied in that oddness. But but to me yeah. it, left, it left me unsatisfied just in the moments because the moments don't pay off and uh, Zelazny clearly has a really good imagination and I remember reading somewhere when I was a kid that Zelazny like studied karate and stuff so he wrote like when he wrote um, mm-hmm. fight scenes he was very good at writing fight scenes because he kind of understood hand to hand combat in a way most other uh, right. science fiction I did fantasy appreci- writers didn't so yeah I, I appreciated these fight scenes more than I did in a lot of fantasy books actually well they're they're great but but there's not there's not a like it's like it's like he didn't want to spend the time it's just it's kind of it, it's almost like a star wars uh fight scene right <laughs> you know what i mean like like you can tell when the fight scene isn't going to be important <laughs> and then and they just kind of like check out unless it's got great visuals yeah, i don't i don't see that as a as a failure i don't see that as a a bug that's a hmm. uh uh, although I wouldn't call it a feature either, it's it's just it's neutral to me. Like that's fine. Interesting. Not yeah. every fight scene has to be you know the best. I, I I agree with that. Like you have to alight over some things, and especially in a book that's really that's got this much um, kind of hand to hand conflict in it. Like if every fight scene was described in great detail, it would also be boring, right? You have to make some decisions. But to me, the balance is off a bit. And I love me a, a short sci fi fantasy novel, you know. <laughs> But this is yeah. This is a little bit uh, ridiculous. I think we've I think we've probably exhausted nine princes in amber. <laughs> what what do we agree to read next? 
I don't remember. Oh, oh, oh uh, Sailor on the Seas of Fate, right? The second uh, Elric book. Yes, I'm excited to uh, read some Elric. I am too. Did, did I did I ever tell you? I can't find a picture of this, but I was I was Elric for Halloween when I was about eleven or twelve. Oh my god! No, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, my my I think my mom or my grandpa helped me make Elric's helmet, and then I had like white makeup, and I wore like tights. And a long oh. sleeve, like tight, tight cloak, and I have this like this bat shit, um, <laughs> bat helmet made out of foam, and I had this sword, and, and nobody ever monitored my my reading, so I was reading this. I mean, yeah. he's like an albino drug addict, like his sword is drinking right. souls, right? <laughs> I was mad because my sword wasn't black, my plastic sword wasn't black oh. like Stormbringer. I was so excited, right. and nobody That's knew who the hell I was thing. when I showed up at people's houses. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. So yeah. I, I, I think remember. about, I, I got to see if I can find a photo. There's got to be That's one somewhere. Great. Uh, it's so fun. I can't remember that one Halloween, the most, the most elaborate Halloween costume I ever had as a child. I was either nine or 10. I was, uh, the Pokemon Mewtwo. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. My, my parents went all out, like making this costume for me, like from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was an extremely elaborate costume. Oh, that's great uh, for a child. Yeah, and uh, I was ex- and, and surprisingly, as a child of the '90s, dressed as me too, uh, I was I was not liked for it. I was very bullied. Really, for me too. Yeah. Well, not because I don't know. It, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> not not fit for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Tell me later. Tell me. Tell me offline. I'm curious. But anyway, I I I, I like there's sort of a kindred uh, Halloween ship there. That oh, that's great. Okay, at well, a certain to... age, you go over the top with your nerdy costume. You do go over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep we'll keep talking Halloween as we move forward. Uh, if you have a suggestion for <laughs> what we should read, uh, we're going to do sword and sorcery for the next year. Um, let us know. Like we're we're looking back, you know, to the the early uh, 20th century at least. I think. And we're looking. I, I guarantee. I guarantee we're not going to make it a whole year. So go ahead and recommend other things too. Oh no, I think we're going to make it a year. I'm so. I, I, I'm going to push for this. This is. I, I think there's a lot of room here. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things we can do. We do kids books. We can do adult novels. We can do novellas. Like I'm excited to explore this space. All right, I, I'm not complaining. Uh, yeah, go ahead and write to go ahead and write to bookstabberpodcast at gmail dot com. Perfect. And All right. uh, go ahead and. Type in www.hauntedskull.com. Go look at that. Go look at www.librarycomic.com. Uh, go to Google and type in uh, pictures of cats. <laughs> are we brought? Are, are we sponsored by pictures of cats today? <laughs> no. Go to dominoes.com and order yourself uh, two medium pizzas. Oh, for oh. I don't know. My 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 heart just clogged up. All my arteries. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go ahead and Google uh, heart medication. <laughs> Google statins. <laughs> Google uh, what else? What's what's the heart bypass surgery or like bypass surgery? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But uh, hope that we we hear you in the next podcast. All right. Have a good day. Later on. Keep stabbing.